welcome to another episode of the Most of Musa podcast. Today, I have Vincent Wong as my guest. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Wait, do you have an intro, like musical? Yeah, there is like a small music intro. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like a royalty-free generic music. <laughs> okay, so wait, you pay for it? No, no, no. It's like kind of like free music of Google. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean that works. That works. I, I, I made my own like for my podcast that I had uh, two years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. I I have my own little like intro and uh yeah it was just it was just for fun. Yeah so tell me about that like h- how did you start your podcast and why did you start it? Um so the reason why I started my own podcast it was called Random Random you can't really find it anywhere uh, at the moment. Is um, it on the deep web or something. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's on porn sites. No I'm kidding. Uh so the thing is I just I just listened to a lot of podcasts and so I was like let me let me try to make my own podcast and talk about some random stuff maybe something that can inspire some people but I didn't really have any listeners <laughs> there's absolutely no listeners apart from maybe my some of my friends you know and uh, the people that I was inviting they were usually my friends so did you have like a guest on each podcast or sometimes you just log talk on your own no i can't i can't talk by myself it's uh <laughs> <laughs> that's weird so i always had a friend uh or a guest i mean they were all my friends and there was one time i had two people so mm-hmm. yeah, i think it's uh it works better once you have a guest then even if it's better if it's like more than two people then like you don't have that kind of pressure to ask keep questions uh keep asking questions or something you know yeah. i've had podcast with more people and it, the flow is i guess more uh comfortable really so how many has has been here in the studio uh so four we have four mics so uh, when i do like my ufc kind of like uh, talk <laughs> podcast so i have like four other friends and we just discuss some ufc or some other topics as well okay so you're into ufc yeah yeah but i'm a casual i'm not like i just got into it maybe 2 years ago okay yeah Do you do anything yourself like do you, no, do you no, work no, out? No, really. Right. <laughs> like I work out normally, but uh nothing like in terms of martial arts. Like uh I did like a few Muay Thai classes. I really enjoyed it. I think I'm going to start doing that again. Mm. I really want to do jiu-jitsu, but like I have glasses and I can barely see anything without them, so I don't think I don't know how that's going to work. What about you you putting on some lenses? Yeah, I guess. All right. Yeah. Does it work? I don't know. Like, yeah, I think it should, but I never wore lenses, so yeah. <laughs> first I need Fair. to get them. <laughs> Fair. I'm actually scared of lenses. Like uh it just feels weird to putting something in your eyeball. Yeah, I kind of am as well. Uh I never tried it, but yeah. But is your do you have a bad eyesight? Uh I can I can go by like I can walk around without glasses on, uh but when I drive and that type of stuff, mm-hmm. like watching TV and something, then I I do need glasses. Mm-hmm. Like There was uh, one news from Pakistan that really scared me. Mm-hmm. It was like some woman was wearing lenses and she was at a barbecue and the smoke and the heat from the grill kind of burned her plastic whatever lenses yeah. and her eye, her eyes were ruined. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the scientific behind it, but <laughs> I think that's plausible, yeah. So you grew up here in Stockholm? I did. I did. Um yeah, born and raised in Stockholm and I mean I'm 29 so I've been here for almost 29 years. Mm-hmm. Give and take like travels and stuff, you know. <laughs> and uh, when you were growing up, what kind of education or what hobbies did you have? What interests did you have? Um so my first interest was actually movies. 
uh, and like martial art. Uh, so that's why I ask you if you did anything uh, in terms of martial art. I did a um, kung fu, the Chinese uh, version of martial art, maybe. Or yeah, I mean it is. Uh, where my um, where my where my sifu, like my teacher, he used to be in movies, like back in the days. So his I just told the story to my friend. Like mm-hmm. his, uh, he he put on he put up an ad on the newspaper, and it was like Yu Yang Kai. That's his name. Uh, starting a new martial art club uh, in Stockholm. Like he's been in this and that movie, and uh, which was like movies that I've seen from my childhood, or, like when I was younger. Any movie I would know. Maybe maybe you know Jet oh. Li. Yeah yeah of course. yeah. Uh, Fong Sai Yok. I think so. So Fong Sayok, like one and two, he was there. Tai Chi Master. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a uh, he's the blacksmith in Tai Chi Master. So the photo he used was actually like a still from Tai Chi Master. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, like yeah. this guy's legit. And then I started to look up the movie again because that was like one of my favorite movies. Uh, and then I saw him on the screen. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> How long did you do that for? Uh, only two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was was he like jack it off, jack it off? Uh, <laughs> was that karate kid? Uh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, he was very strict. He was very strict. Uh, wait, am I speaking too like no, no. too loud? No, it's fine. Too I close can, to I'm gonna right. edit later on the sound levels and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, no, he <laughs> was um, he was very strict. Uh, which was very different from the usual, I mean, usual trainings. Uh, or any form of training here in Stockholm or Sweden, like the Western world, I guess. He uh, he scared us a lot, mm. at least me. Uh, and I'm not saying he used to hit me, but like he used to like just like give me a little pat, like a little hit. Like it didn't hurt or anything. It was just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> not the belt, but <laughs> but yeah, no, no, I was uh, I was scared of him, but like he never really hurt us. You know, you know the typical Chinese uh, master, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That was him. Yeah. Like, I guess when like some people stereotype you, like, hey, you're Asian, you must know kung fu, and you're like, man, that's racist, but that's true as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of like that. But like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that I know it like anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can maybe do one of few moves, but like. Uh, if you're asking if I know how to fight, I'm not gonna say yes. And then, uh, did you go to university? What kind of education did you get? I did. I did go to university. Um, I went to KDH, which is the um, technical uh, technical university here in Stockholm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know about it. So, but like for the viewers, listeners, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it is the technical like engineering school of Stockholm. So I went there for. A good amount of time, and uh, what were you studying? I did my bachelor's called um, simulation and virtual virtual design. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. And and then I did my uh, master's in interactive media, mm-hmm. so very computer science. And so a lot of programming, a lot of like math, physics, and stuff, which is kind of weird because I. I guess I I would say I'm not the best when it comes to math. Uh, I used to hate math. 
especially when I went to KDH. But like I pulled through, and <laughs> you know. You sound like the most stereotypical Asian, <laughs> going <laughs> studying computers, maths, and then does kung fu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, let me <laughs> let me try something else. <laughs> Have you thought about this before? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, that's actually a pretty good uh, question. <laughs> um, you're right. I guess I'm a stereotypical Asian. <laughs> like, uh, hit me, hit me with anything. <laughs> what else? What else is like stereotypical Asian? And I'll tell you if I've done it or not. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> are your parents very like? Uh, uh, what do you call? Are you still connected to their culture or whatever where you're from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not really over the top. Like we do celebrate uh, different Chinese, um, what do you call it? Like uh, holidays. And holidays and yeah, yeah. So we do we do celebrate those, uh, or just like eat together and that type of stuff. But yeah. Do you speak Mandarin or? Can we speak Cantonese, Cantonese at home. Yeah. Uh, and I did learn a little bit Mandarin. Mm. And so I can get by a little bit. Uh, but if it gets too advanced and like, uh, and like I can't really I can't be on a podcast speaking yeah, Mandarin yeah. I will be lost mm. I think but when it comes to Cantonese then possibly yeah I can like I understand a lot I just can't phrase myself in the the same way I can phrase myself mm. with English yeah so. like uh, you know India and Pakistan they have over like hundreds of hundreds of different languages right and each like uh, there's like a saying like each 50 kilometers or something you find a new language right but i never heard that about china it's such a big country and then you only hey what do people speak there cantonese or mandarin do they speak different languages i would, <laughs> I would guess so right <laughs> uh yes we do yeah so <laughs> i think uh so we call it dialects mm -hmm. um we call it dialects and it's based on the region or like where you're like location basically right yeah, so yeah. The the ones on the up on up in the north, they are more similar to each other, uh, and then when you go further south, it's gonna sound more like Cantonese. Mm -hmm. So, it's not to the same extent as uh, like India and uh, in Pakistan, mm -hmm. you have like Urdu, Hindu, or whatever, like so many different languages. We don't really have that in the same extent, but like the dialects could differ a lot so you don't really understand so mm -hmm. like that's why my mandarin is so trash because it's a it's a big difference mm -hmm. uh, my mother tongue is punjabi like i'm from the punjab region right but uh, i can understand like 100 percent. but when it comes to speaking it's not that much because growing up we saw our parents like talking to their siblings and their family in punjabi but yeah. when it comes to the kids they're always talking to them in urdu so it kind of got like a mashup of things there. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, you're wearing the sizzle shirt as well. That's what I wanted to bring up. That's how I found <laughs> out about you. You started right. this company, uh, Sizzle. And uh, why did you start it? And uh, what is it about? So um, my co-founder is actually from India. Uh, and that's why I know a little bit about like Hindu or Urdu, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, but he came to Sweden when he was, uh, he came to study or for love actually, and then he started to study here in Sweden. 
Love for study or love and study? Uh, he came for love and love for study. <laughs> no, he uh, he came for love because uh, he met his uh, now girlfriend in India when she was there uh, visiting or like traveling around. Uh, that's how they met. And then he came here uh, and started to study here in Stockholm University. And then he started to work as a bike messenger and that's how he found out like there's a poss possibility here to create something that uh, they had in India uh, which is like kind of like home-cooked meals uh, delivered to the door uh, so that's like why he started Sizzle uh, in Sweden and then I got on board and my co-founder Edward got on board uh, so like the three of us just been working on this for about like one year, one and a half year maybe. Uh, it's been a while and yeah. So uh, how does the company operate? You have like a location, like a kitchen and where you make authentic foods and then you give them out. You don't have like a restaurant or sitting area, right? We don't have a restaurant. We do have a kitchen, uh, which is where we make some of the food uh, and then we partner up with other chefs. So the whole idea is to um, empower and create new job opportunities for for uh, mostly immigrants or just like talented chefs. So if you're a food entrepreneur and you want to start your business, you don't really know how to do it, but like you're really good at cooking, you can come to us and we can help you. Mm -hmm. So maybe like you need help with marketing, uh, you need help with kitchen space, uh, or delivery or that type of stuff or like just sales channels because uh, we do have established um, customers uh, kind of and we do have like the right competence to do some type of marketing <laughs> I'm not going to say that we are the best in marketing but yeah I mean you're quite new I would say just we're quite a new year, so yeah right Right, we're quite new, we're still a startup, so we're mm -hmm. still learning as we go, but then we st we do have some type of foundation to at least help people and grow together. Mm -hmm. So we like we focus a lot on women uh, that are, that, that's uh, mostly been, um, what do you call it, like housewives. Like if you come to Sweden and you're a woman, you're mostly gonna be a housewife. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're coming from like these, especially from like a third world Asian right, country, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. So like Syria or you know like those type of countries where it's kind of frowned upon here in Sweden, which is kind of sad. Uh, I mean, we can see it in today's. Now I'm diving into politics, but like uh, you what can do you mean by what's frowned upon? Like being an immigrant from yeah. Syria or like from, I guess, like Pakistan, right? Compared to like in today's climate, Ukraine immigrants. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, like I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say something stupid, but yeah. Yeah, mm. you, you get my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many, do you say, which, what kind of different cuisines do you offer? We, um, we have like, about 30 uh, chefs right at the moment mm -hmm. uh so each chef brings their own cuisine i mean some of them are kind of the same uh like i think we have about like 
two, three different Indian chefs. Uh, but they're like from different parts. So, yeah, it could be like Punjabi yeah. or like uh, my co-founder, he's from Kerala. So he found like a, uh, a chef from Kerala as well, which is south of India, I think. Uh, but just like different types of food, uh, different cuisines. And then we try to package it and sell it to office spaces. So uh, I like at offices, offices. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of this Bollywood movie called Lunchbox. Do you know about it? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's about the similar like uh, the system right. where housewives make lunches for office workers, and the story it's a really boring movie, but the story was interesting. Is that this housewife? Um, uh, she stores lunch for her husband, but she it was also part of this like lunch system, but her husband's lunch and gets swapped with another person in the office. And then they start corresponding like uh, through letters and then they fall in love or whatever. Is this um, Hollywood or Bollywood? Bollywood, Bollywood. Bollywood. Yeah, yeah, Indian movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I haven't watched any Hollywood uh, Bollywood movie, so yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really into that. Uh, or like, I don't know anything about that, but... Isn't that like, I mean, the whole, the whole idea came from India, right? Like the, that type of uh, mentality or that type of way of eating. So, uh, which is home cooked meal. Because mm. if you think about it, what is the best food you've ever eaten? I mean, um, I think most of most of us would say uh, food cooked by your mom, <laughs> right? Or just like home cooked. It's more. Yeah, yeah. There's more passion. There's more love. Uh, like an aspect of nostalgia as well right especially i would say for immigrants like they crave when they come here and even if i say that every type of cuisine is tapered to the swedish audience here like if you go to like a pakistani indian place the food isn't 100 percent authentic they kind of tone down the spices and everything for like swedish people mm. i think i would say is kind of generally the same for other cuisines as well and especially like people who are immigrants or like third, second, third generations, they crave like the authentic food. And even like if you give like um, a Swedish person authentic food from there, it might be too spicy or whatever, but they really enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like a really cool thing that you're doing. Like you can order like food from Fedora, but you know that's not going to be home cook, uh, authentic, authentic taste. Right, right. Yeah, so the thing about Sweden is that in terms of cooking, when we say home-cooked, it's not really home-cooked, like somebody's making it from home and then we, we pick it up or something. Uh, in Sweden, we have this ca- thing called Lismedesverket, right? So they are very thorough with their like checkups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you need to have a registered business, you need to have a registered kitchen. That's why I said, with our kitchen, we open up the doors for other chefs or like small entrepreneurs, like food entrepreneurs that wants to cook food and they can come to our kitchen. Mm. Uh, and then in terms of like spice level, I think I've noticed that as well. Uh, we can't, we can't really put too spicy because uh, it's not going to fly. Like yeah, exactly. people are not going to eat it. It's going to be, we, we tried it a couple of times. Uh, I think that's what happened with all these restaurants. That's why they tone it down. 
but like especially with spice like if it's too spicy um yeah there yeah there needs to be like a good level yeah <laughs> even i don't enjoy it. my sister and her husband they love like super duper spicy food yeah but i'm like uh, just like i like spicy but enough that you can enjoy the meal and enjoy the other flavors exactly. it doesn't overpower everything else exactly but that like spice spicy le- spicy level is also something you acquire like mm-hmm. uh, the more you eat the more you can handle so i think like like you and me we were used to eating spicy food and uh, contra to like the swedish people like a normal normal swede that's like not really used to eating spicy food cuz like they eat fish and that type of stuff right so you don't you don't put a lot of spice chilies or stuff in mm-hmm. spicy food but y- like you you've been eating a lot of spicy food so you're more used to that type of taste i guess yeah yeah um but yeah so what's Def- the what's the best cuisine you've ever eaten and why is it pakistani <laughs> <laughs> so pakistani food is actually i never eat in pakistani food <laughs> so i'm not going to say anything about that but i need to find your pakistani chef then <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely if you if you have any like if you are friends or whatever wants to cook food uh or if you have any pakistani like no. chefs we like definitely mm. like hook us up uh but yeah i do i do have um i do have like pakistani friends and they showed me these this pakistani guy i i don't i'm not sure if he's pakistani actually um but he um he's a youtuber i forgot his name but he went to this um karachi karachi yeah karachi yeah yeah he went he went to karachi and then he went to like a very famous place which is like a street vendor mm-hmm. and like a like just like whatever like street food and it was this bone marrow do you know <coughs> yeah, what i'm talking what about you mean. yeah 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 exactly dude that looked so fucking good <laughs> <laughs> like when i saw the video i was like take me to pakistan yeah. <laughs> like take me to pakistan right now cuz i want to try that uh but then corona came so <laughs> yeah yeah in pakistan it's actually like the best food you've uh, you know how if you think like here in sweden if you want to treat someone to a, like a good place you take them to like a fancy expensive restaurant mm-hmm. but uh, in pakistan is that the quality of the environment or the place doesn't reflect the quality of the food they like can go to like the old town and it's like a small one room like a kitchen and they only serve breakfast from like 4 a.m to 9 a.m that's it and then it's the best like dish that you've ever eaten and they're like people from all around the rich poor like maybe the streets or the environment the neighborhood isn't very good mm-hmm. but the food is like the best and people from all around like come and eat there so you say 4 a.m. yeah yeah people only go to places for breakfast like sometimes you have to go there at 2 a.m. just to wait in line for 2 hours yeah <laughs> and get the food no that's uh that's crazy like is is that a famous place Yeah 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 it's really famous. Okay. I yeah. think it's the same bone marrow thingy that they make here. Oh really? Yeah. Dude that Lahore. that thing looks so much so good man. Like I'm actually taking a, a friend from Lithuania and a friend from Germany to Pakistan this year. Really? Yeah. You want to come join us? Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll like get like a packed uh, bone marrow dish for you. Yeah, just like vacuum pack it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh 
I did the same thing. Like I went to I went to Japan uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and then there was like at this like fish market or the fish um, industry place where they open at like five four a.m. Uh, so you have to be there by like three a.m. or like two a.m. just to stand in line, and then they close by like nine. Right, so we did that, and uh, that was really good. Like mm-hmm. it was just, it was just basically a bowl of uh, of white rice, like Japanese white rice, and then sashimi, like raw fish. Mm-hmm. But it was so good. I don't know why. Yeah, I've uh, heard that. Is it true that the the fish because it's super fresh there, they just recently caught it. Like the taste is completely different than what you eat like a normal sushi any place. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, I think it's like they know what they're doing, obviously, and the wasabi is way different mm-hmm. from what you can get here because the um, the root of the pepper or I don't know, what is it, what is it called the wasabi the w- wasabi root plant or root yeah it's it's a pepper root I think yeah uh, like that type of thing you you can only like you when you make wasabi you need to have a special type or that's what the Japanese are saying, right? It's this. It's the same with like wagyu beef. Like, <laughs> mm. you need to have it from wagyu, like n- not from wagyu. Maybe it is What's wa- wagyu. Is it a place? I don't, I don't know if it's a place. Um, I'm saying shit now, but I don't know if it's a place or um, just like um, area or whatever. Mm. I don't. I don't really know. Uh, but wagyu, like you can only, you can only name. Uh, your beef wagyu if it's from a certain area uh, in Japan and then you can call it wagyu beef same with like Kobe beef mm-hmm. uh, but it's like super uh, high fat like rich in fat uh, cow because they've been eating this same type of grass that's from the area mm-hmm. uh, and that's why you call it wagyu beef so when you go to when you go to a restaurant here in Sweden or like any other place outside of Japan, because they don't they don't ship that, right? Uh, you can't order wagyu beef, but it's like fake wagyu, because they're not certified to call it wagyu mm-hmm. or Kobe, maybe Kobe, but I'm not sure. Uh, but like, right, they you're not really allowed to call it wagyu, because that's their marketing thing. Like you can import uh, a cow, like the same type of cow. You can import it to, let's say, Sweden mm-hmm. and breed it. Uh, but it's not going to be the same because it's not eating yeah, the, the same, same sp- type of food. Ah, okay, cool. So then the upbringing is, 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 a, is a little bit different. It just have the same genetics, but the upbringing is different. So yeah. so you can't really call it the same, but you can call it like fake. or I don't, I don't think they call it fake. I, I forgot what they call it. but yeah. Beyond Wagyu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now I, I recently read. I don't know if it's true or not. I recently read that um, wasabi. Most places wasabi is not actually wasabi. It's like a cauliflower or some cabbage that they color and add spices to it. Yeah. Because real wasabi doesn't last that long. That you can just like uh, have it in restaurants. Exactly. So the wasabi you've been eating, you've been you've been lied to your whole life. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the uh, the wasabi you eat here in Sweden is completely um, 
not the same as this, the one you eat in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you can buy it. You can buy wasabi in Japan, but then it will only last like a, for a short amount of time. And then it's like, I think we, we bought one, uh, a tube, and then we never used it and the mm-hmm. <laughs> it got spoiled. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, as I think for wasabi, it's the same as like the Wagyu thing. It's like you need to have a certain type of water and it, yeah as you said it, they they don't last that long so yeah so that's why they they don't really like ship it as well mm. that reminds me of this uh, like thing there's a um, traditional cloth from the Sindh region like where Karachi is in Pakistan mm-hmm. and it's called Ajrak mm-hmm. and it's like a specific design I'll show you later mm-hmm. and there's the design comes from uh like the you know one of the first civilizations Meta- mesopotamia whatever what, what it was called the indus valley civilization mm-hmm. when they excavated the sites when they first found out the civilization they saw these designs on their like pottery and on their walls and now they the region in the subcontinent in the sindh they adopted this design into their clothes yeah and the way they make it it's like a really long process and actually like the way you make the color and actually it's made from cow or camel dung. Like that's part of the process of where you make the color of the ajrak. Really? And uh, at the end, it doesn't smell bad, but when it's over, like when the whole process is over, the ajrak is ready. Uh, it has a specific smell. And they say that this smell, like it never goes away. And uh, now, like if you want pure ajrak, which is like handmade and it takes uh, like several days to make it, it's really expensive, but now you can also get like store-bought cheap ajrak where just like a machine made it with the same design and pattern and everything. Right. But even though to a naked eye, you cannot discern a difference between the two. It's not really, I don't know if you can call it ajrak because it's not just the cloth and the pattern, it's all the process that goes into it by making it. Yeah, it's the, it's the handwork, like mm-hmm. um, the techniques and mm-hmm. stuff, right? So. Do you have it? Uh, actually, my yeah, my sister and my my sister and her husband they were in Pakistan uh, in January and they brought one for me. Oh, but what what is it? What like what type of piece is it? It's like a I don't know how to explain it in English because it's like a piece of cloth that you wear it on yourself, just like an accessory. Uh, people don't do that here in the West, but in Pakistan, it's very common. The one like over the. Over the shoulder? Yeah, I guess you can like wear it any way you like, but just as an accessory. Okay. Or uh, yeah, like a imagine a scarf, but like a really big one. Yeah. Just like a big cloth, and then you just wear it over. Okay. Yeah, but it's like a. It has like a sacred kind of connotations to it that you off if you offer it as a gift to someone, that's like a sign of honor or something. Right. Yeah. So where's mine? Do I, do I get one after this podcast? Yeah, I'm telling you, when I go to Pakistan, okay, I'll make a list, bring you Nihari, the bone marrow stuff, <laughs> bring you Ajirak, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is it called, Ajirak? Ajirak, yeah. I'll show you like a picture later. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like very, I've noticed that like nowadays, like at first everything was handmade like before machines came. Right. And then when machines came, then people were like, oh, like, our job is so much easier. We can pump out like numbers really easily, uh, less manpower required and everything. Mm-hmm. And 
I think machines, the things that machines made were more expensive than handmade because the handmade would take a lot of time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But now since things made from machines are so common, right. that now people who are actually making things traditional ways, whether it's like food, whether it's clothes or whatever, like uh, I think it's more appreciated now. We appreciate uh, the artists more who make things from their hands. Right, right. I mean, that's, I don't know how it was back in the days, but like machine, all, like all type of machines, they have a upfront cost, right? Like you need to pay a big amount of uh, money to get the machine rolling and then like train somebody to work the machine. Uh, but then like once it's under production, it can create so much more than a human can. And I think that's that's where it lost its value. Uh, and then like with, with an actual human working on like creating something, they're actually putting in their time and effort. Mm. So now it's like, I, I, I actually like that because now it's more like if you do something handmade, it's considered better, uh, and yeah, people actually like appreciate it more. Uh, but I mean, not everybody, right? Yeah, no. Because like, you can still make something that's really cool, and then b- people be like, "Oh, that's too expensive," mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of sad. But yeah, mostly like when it comes to art pieces or like instruments or yeah, like if you know, oh, guitar is handmade by this famous person. Yeah, that's expensive. Yeah. That that like uh, do you remember the I recently watched Kill Bill mm-hmm. and I remember that scene where she goes to this uh, swordsmith and he makes her like a brand new sword and then everybody in the movie is like oh what was it Hathori so Hanji Hathori something that was the name of the sword or like the sword master mm-hmm. and she could have bought like any other the sword but then she went back and this guy the master made the sword by his hand all the way and then it was like a big deal <laughs> yeah i mean uh, yeah that's uh that's a big thing in japan right <laughs> but i the, wanted to ask you this question since like um uh you're like you travel all around the world and i've noticed that when it comes to like cultural appreciation versus cultural appropriation it's like <laughs> a really fine line yeah. I know I'm not the expert in this. Yeah. Maybe you're not as well, but I just like to have your opinion on it. Right. That when it comes to like food, like you can enjoy Pakistani food or I can enjoy whatever Thai food or whatever, you know. And we can listen to their music, we can watch movies and it's all cool. But for some reason when it comes to clothing, like if someone if you see like another person wearing a sari or, you know, a kimono or whatever, then people will say, hey, that's like they're appropriating their culture. Like, I wonder, like, what's what's that? Like, I recently actually, I'm talking about this because recently uh, I asked a model for a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. And the photo shoot uh, is a Swedish white model. And the photo shoot was like Pakistani, like clothes and jewelry and makeup and everything. Mm-hmm. And she said uh, that she would pass this idea because it's not her culture to represent. Right. But for me, like I want to show that my culture is actually open to everybody to enjoy. Right. And that's my idea about the fo- behind the photo shoot that I want to show people that, hey, uh, we are open-minded people and Pakistani, like we enjoy people when they, we, we, we are happy when other people 
are enjoying our culture, you know? Right. I think um like I'm not I'm not an expert as well and I <laughs> I don't want to say something stupid uh because Hey, this is only yeah, yeah, yeah. how Wait, like, cut cut that out. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know Andrew Schultz? No. Uh, he's like a comedian and in his uh, podcast I, 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 yeah, yeah. He says uh all feelings no facts. So yeah. this is all feelings no facts. <laughs> right, cool. <laughs> But I can say whatever. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> um so the thing is from my perspective let's preface with that <laughs> uh what, what was the question again the um wearing having a white person wearing uh pakistani yeah like clothing yeah um i think that has a lot to do with um white guilt uh just because of history uh, i mean you did say that she was white right yeah. so i think that 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 is like one of the big reasons why people feel like that if you look at how how it is like who's reacting like actually reacting to these type of things it's coming from america which has a lot of problem and we can talk about that in another podcast but <laughs> but then it's like it's coming from the white guilt of because like what they did in the past so now they can't now they feel like it's weird for them to enjoy something mm-hmm. uh just because of the historic uh, impact or whatever. So just as you said, uh you don't really you don't really mind if a white person is wearing a traditional Pakistani um shirt or whatever, right? Same with me. I don't really care if a white person is wearing that like a Chinese one. Uh and I think it's it goes the same for a lot of different cultures. Like if you go to Africa and uh Yeah, any country in Africa and you ask them if they care if somebody wore something that's like traditional uh for their th- that specific country I don't think they actually care. Yeah. They will actually think it's funny and enjoy and like make fun of it. Yeah. Maybe not the best thing, but like yeah. But you still it's, like a, like I think I would consider it oh that person is being open-minded. Yeah. Like hey, they they're enjoying our culture. They're just, you know, they're open to other ideas. Right. But I guess for white people they're like maybe for them is racist, not open-minded. It's like the completely opposite. It just it just it stems from fear of mm-hmm. being called racist, I think, or like appro- tra- like appropriating. I mean, I I do see why people think that way. Mm-hmm. It's like you're doing something that's not really your thing right like it i think it's like when you're taking it too far mm-hmm. let's say let's say you're wearing the pakistan like let's okay let's let's put this um scenario up mm-hmm. uh another lady or the same lady ask you if you can take a photo shoot uh with a pakistani like traditional dress and then she's saying stuff that's not true to your culture mm-hmm. and like your whatever um whatever your values are in Pakistan like how would that make you feel yeah yeah that's definitely bad right i think it's the way that you represent it and put it out there as well right so it's like let's say she's wearing that and then she says something bad about Pakistan that's mm-hmm. not really true and then saying that like oh all pakistan sunni people like think this way and this is how they're living their life 
and this traditional dress is like you wear it for these type of scenarios or like occasions, mm-hmm. but it's all wrong, right? Then there's yeah, yeah, yeah. then th- she would be ignorant rather than open-minded right so i think that there's like a fine line mm-hmm. for that and it's 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 a hard question yeah so. yeah there is a fine line like i notice also some big clothing brands like zara or whatever they they would like uh, they would like put on the market like some traditional uh, pakistani clothes and then they would market it as they wouldn't even say pakistani or nothing they would just like market it as their own original thing and yeah. it's like com- super obvious that what you're trying to do and uh, i think it's also about giving credit to where the thing originates from yeah it's giving credit when credit is due right mm-hmm. and that's like for anything if you're if you're taking something like if you're getting inspiration from somebody else's culture then you have to give them the credit mm-hmm. when it's due and not say like oh this is my thing mm-hmm. i think like one of the biggest or like yeah one of the biggest example or most recent example is Kim Kardashian. Mm-hmm. Like, she recently tried to start a whole new brand, I think, called Kimono. A uh, Kimono is basically a traditional Japanese, um, yeah, it's not a dress, but it's like... A, like clothing, yeah. A clothing, a piece of clothing. And she tried to sell uh, a new brand, like start a new brand called Kimono, like, up wordplay on her, her name but then she wasn't selling kimonos she was selling skin tight uh, dresses or like tight leggings and stuff which is now called skims which is another wordplay on her name mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's just a s and then kim mm-hmm. and then an s at the end but yeah so she got a lot of backlash for that because she was using the word kimono which is the traditional japanese clothing and trying to sell her own stuff. Uh, and then she, she had the audacity to say that she didn't know. Like, I, she was like, I had no idea this was a Japanese word. But mm-hmm. it's like, everybody knows, you know? Yeah. Even if you don't know, you have like 10 people working on it. One of them probably would have told right. you what it is. Like, you have so much, mi- uh, so much money. You have a whole marketing team. Mm-hmm. How come nobody knows what a kimono is? Yeah. You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. So she got a lot of backlash for that. And and that's culture uh, appropriation. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, are you like second generation Swedish? Like were your parents, did they migrate or were they already here? Yeah. No, they migrated. So I'm mm-hmm. a second generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have like uh, trouble like with identity growing up? Like... Um, because uh, I mean, if your parents came here, like on a when did they come? Like how old were they? Do you know? They came when like in their teens, mm-hmm. teenage did years. Did they get like meet here, get yeah. married? Uh-huh. Yeah, they uh, they met here uh, in their early twenties, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then I got born, like uh, yeah. So I've been living here my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I've noticed but that. Uh, I also wanted to ask you this: Do you take offense when someone asks you like where you're from? <laughs> because so I've noticed some people do, some people don't, regardless of their ethnicity. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, I do sometimes. Um, I think I think it depends on who the person is. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's if it's uh, an expat, just like trying to understand who you are, or like trying to make friends, then I I don't really get offended, like because you're asking who I where I'm from because you think that I'm not from here, right? Which makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. But when I was, I think more so when I was younger, I did get offended, and I'm like, what the fuck you mean, like? Do I look different? Obviously, I look different, but <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um. Yeah, it's I guess if like if you're like a old boomer Swedish person comes to you and then where are you from, then you kind of know the intention behind their question as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, the intention is always uh, like from my experience, it's always pretty. Um, just like curiosity. Mm-hmm. They just wonder where you're, where you're from, right? Uh, I think the problem lies in when you're asking a person where you're from, and you're saying I'm from Sweden, but then they're like, oh, but like no, but where where you're actually from, like, and then you're like, oh, uh, I'm from like a specific place in, let's say like Kholefti uh, or something, mm-hmm. you know, like a small town in st- in Sweden, but then they're like, no, 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 but like. <laughs> Where where your where where is your parents from? Like, what's your origin or whatever? Like that's that's kind of I think that's offensive. Like when you're not getting the hint that you don't really want to tell them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you s- keep on like pestering and asking these type of questions. And mm-hmm. yeah, do you, do you take offense of that by that? No, I think it's the same thing with me as well. Like usually I don't take offense, but. Um, I mean, for me, it's not a big deal because I don't consider myself Swedish as much as I think you would because you were born and raised here. Mm-hmm. While I only came here a few years ago. Right. But yeah, like uh, I have uh, this incident happened to me that I went to this photo shoot and there was this old grandpa there and he was like, I was speaking English there. Mm-hmm. And even though the family, like they were talking, some people were talking English to each other as well. And this old white guy comes and he's like, hey, why aren't you speaking Swedish? Like, how long have you been living here? Yeah. But to me, I'm like thinking, first of all, that's none of your business. And second of all, like, uh, they like people try to, they think that if you're living in a country, you, ne- you need to follow these certain rules, like know the language or whatever. Like, that's the price of staying in a country. Yeah. But to me, my perspective is that the price I'm paying in this country is that I'm contributing by paying taxes, by you know being in the market or whatever. I'm not living here free. Like I, pay, I do a job, I pay my taxes, so I can do whatever I want if I want to learn Swedish or not. You know. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, it's like they some people just have this perception in their head that like if you're living here, you need to speak the same language, but that's not really true. And you probably contributing way more than some people some people that are like born and raised here and like has a history of being a swede all right uh you're probably paying more tax and doing way more good things to sweden or just like society in the whole than they are like some people are at least Mm. so it's like but do you have to know swedish for that no you don't and uh Sorry to go on a tangent, but like, that's this is kind of the reason why we started our business. 
because you don't really need to know Swedish and you shouldn't really know uh, you shouldn't really have to know Swedish just to cook food mm. like if we can help you and we can do this together and sell the food and like give you the opportunity to sell the food that you you actually know how to make then it shouldn't be a problem like you you can contribute to society you can contribute to your family and just by doing what you what you know best but speaking about the business like somebody's listening to this podcast and they want to know more about how can they if there's a chef like what are the requirements for them to come and work with you uh do they need some kind of how long experience uh, how does this work if so, they're like a chef like what do you see in them for you to hire them or work with them so it's not about experience uh, i mean experience is a big part because if you don't have experience working uh or like cooking then it's probably not going to work but if you if you have talents and stuff and you can cook for a lot of people then we have like a training program kind of so where you get like a custom or like taught how to make it in our way uh so that the processes and all that type of stuff is done in the correct way because uh, at the end of the day the customer is going to buy the food right so we have to have some type of um standard standard so that whatever you're making is meeting that type of standard the the same quality uh in order for us to sell mm-hmm. so we do have like a chef uh, um operator um that just like overlooks the whole process and make sure that everything is followed the procedures are done in the correct way and like the health um the health regulations are followed and that type of stuff so mm-hmm. uh that's why it's like either either you do have your own business um uh, and you can sell it through our platform or you come to our kitchen and then there's like a whole process for that mm-hmm. okay okay right and if you require like uh, is there like a set schedule or hours that a person needs to work no so that totally depends on how we plan our our meals uh or our menus uh and also like what they can make so if you have if you have a a portfolio of like 10 different dishes that you can create uh then you're more likely to do more work for us maybe mm-hmm. you know i mean we're we're just starting off uh so we're trying to figure out the the best ways but like in the the end goal is actually to make sure that every chef can live off uh of just like cooking and uh, and we can just like sell as many meals as possible to like any customers that are either foodie or just do not really know how to cook uh or like just too lazy or don't really have time to cook uh so yeah like uh, right now you're only selling to companies like in offices right yeah have you considered like uh, like uh like how what happens in india like you individually like go to homes or like you know how hello fresh works okay so we we sell to offices uh and uh, we started off by selling to the door like mm-hmm. we delivered uh, ourselves but that was uh, a lot of work for us so then we stopped that and that's when we started to go into offices 
but right now we are partnering up with other um, um, businesses. So you can find us in Matpengtase um, actually um, under like a category called restaurant mat, which is like restaurant food. Uh, so you can find some of our products there and they would deliver it for us. So you just order, we make the food and then they deliver it. Uh, but then we are looking into other services. Uh, I'm not going to name drop anything right now, but yeah. <coughs> so very soon you'll be able to just go to different websites and uh, buy some of our products. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our main idea so far uh, is to sell the fridges, or like mm-hmm. um, sell to offices. And so you mentioned you make music as well. Yeah. Uh, when did that start? So I started making music, uh, I guess, more th- more than 10 years ago, actually. Yeah. Two th- 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> How did you get into it? Um, it was just because I listened to a lot of uh, music. Uh, like, that's one of my passions. Like, after film, I started to dive into music. Uh, so I do, like... I mean, I do like photography as just as you do, and like film stuff. But then, like music, I started because I was listening to a rapper called Jin. Uh, he's a Chinese rapper, like Chinese American rapper. And then I was like, wait, like we can rap too? <laughs> I I didn't know that, right? <laughs> I was like, I thought that was only something that black people could do. And then Eminem came out. I mean, Eminem has been around, but like. I was like, oh, Eminem is rapping too? Like, Jin is rapping too? Then I was like, wait, Asians can rap too? So I started to write music and write rhymes and stuff, but I didn't, it wasn't good. Like, the uh, the thing that I made back in the days, that was that was trash. Like, if you heard it, you so probably... So you were making music and also writing, like, raps? Yeah, because I, I have a background in playing, play, playing piano. Uh, so I can... I like understand music theory a little bit, and I understand like how to create good melodies. Uh, so I made my own music, and then I started to write uh, my own lyrics after my own music. And I posted a lot uh, in the early, like in the beginning. So like t- 2012, 2010 or something, I posted a lot of stuff. Uh, but it was really, it was really bad. It was not, it was not good. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's, it was not good. Uh, but yeah. But and what, then, what do you say? Like what, uh, inspires you? What uh, inspires your rap or your lyrics? Is it like a specific theme you follow? Is it like real life, your own experiences? Is it about like more conceptual stuff? No, no, it's more. Yeah, it's more like real life, just like from my own perspective, uh, talking about stuff or just, yeah. Uh, it depends on what it is. Like if it's rap, then then I try to make clever rhymes, right? It has to rhyme in a, I just have to rhyme in a way that it's not easy to rhyme, right? Um, but then like I try to do like, f- multiple syllables type of rhymes mm-hmm. so like at least two syllables but it's not really they shouldn't sound too f- similar uh so i mean yeah it's it's hard 
making making music like writing songs coming up with new rhymes uh it's, it's hard do you still have your music up on youtube or something i don't i have nothing up <laughs> <laughs> same with my podcast i just took it down the only thing that so i why have did you take down the podcast though one bad quality uh, in terms of um microphone and stuff i only had one and we were at least like two people mm-hmm. two persons like speaking if you could like uh, continue uh would you consider continuing and what would you change apart from the hardware and everything um i mean i would get a studio if i'm going to do another podcast but then i also think uh just a little bit more structure cuz i i was just like so here here's the thing we we only i only did like one take and never edited anything and it was just like me and my friends talking about stuff for about an hour and i uh i also re- tried to record it on uh video but my camera only can only record for 30 minutes so in the middle of the the podcast i have a th- uh like a few s- minutes interception because of my alarm going off saying like hey you need to stop the camera and then record again uh, <laughs> i mean that that was cut out but like yeah. o- other other than that it was just like a con- continuous take mm-hmm. um but then if you're not really a comfortable person to like i'm not the best at speaking like talking and stuff so i i don't think i can i don't think i was doing a good job hosting my podcast and asking the right questions mm-hmm. uh leading the com- conversation like further to make the podcast interesting mm-hmm. i'm not sure I, maybe it was really interesting I don't, i don't know i haven't listened back to it so. mm-hmm. like some like uh, especially with friends some conversations you're like having yeah. and you're like man i'm the shit i'm a funny guy <laughs> jokes are flowing <laughs> but then if you actually like uh listen back to your like oh no yeah <laughs> it's not for the world to listen to <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i don't know like what what do you feel because you've been doing this for a while now mm mm-hmm. i mean i was very uncomfortable like doing this the that's why the first guest i had was a friend because i just wanted someone to be here to be comfortable with right and i think because i have a background in photography where I do photo shoots with the strangers like models who I never met before mm-hmm. that kind of gave me like confidence in the same way that hey uh, if I can do like a photo shoot like an hour or two with the stranger why cannot have just a conversation with another person right and I'm just like I'm very curious about like the world and everything in general right. I have different interests and hobbies and I really like listening to people and how I don't know what's the word for it the psychology or whatever what makes a person a person right. like what makes you you yeah like you like your childhood and what happened other hobbies your interests and all that yeah I think that's really interesting me like the fact that there are what around 8 billion people now on planet earth and not a not two people have the same exact life everyone is so unique and different right there's just like so many stories out there Right. explore that's true that's like true. i like to explore like uh, i want to like I, i like to travel and explore cities and cultures and everything but at the same time like individual human beings are just as interesting to me as well mm-hmm. 
So I I don't know if I'm doing a good job talking. Maybe I sometimes I ask stupid questions. No, no, no. I think you're uh, doing a pretty good job, man. But for me like I said, I don't put a lot of pressure on me that yeah. hey, it has to be top-notch quality. A lot of people are listening. Yeah. yeah. It's for me it's just like enjoying the process. Right. I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right? Uh I think the uh the thing about my podcast was that I just have like like I used to li- I I listened to a lot of podcasts by comedians. Oh, same so, here. Yeah, so when I when I made my podcast, I was like I'm not funny. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> like how how can I take it to the next level and become like a funny host just as the ones that I'm listening to uh but like still staying in like the way I am, but like I'm just like I'm not a funny person. Like that's not me. Uh I mean, I'm funny, but like not Yeah, not comedian the, level. Not yeah. comedian level funny, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, do you know about the Bill Burr podcast? Oh yeah, uh, Bill Burr, the uh, yeah, Thursday. Whatever the um, bald 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 guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my favorite comedian. Yeah, I think his podcast is called uh, Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast. Yeah, and for like. I think he's one of I think it it's maybe older than Joe Rogan's or something like it's very very old mm-hmm. and he releases two episodes every week mm-hmm. barely has a guest on and he's just like for an hour talking to himself really <laughs> and he makes it funny like just talking to himself like really? talking about different shit yeah and I'm like damn like how can like someone do that <laughs> no he's um he's a good talker that's mm-hmm. the thing like he's a really good talker uh I've seen him in a couple other podcast and yeah but that's that that was the like that's kind of like the level that I want to get to if I ever go into podcasting mm-hmm. but like I'm not I'm not there and mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything in terms of podcast so I never reached that level <laughs> yeah yeah like I think I could if I had to do a podcast on my own yeah I could as long as it's about finding the topics if I like have some topics in hand that I want to discuss. Yeah. I think I could do that. Right. But the way Bill Bird is, I don't think he has any topic. He just like goes through whatever happened his life that day or about yeah. his children or what's going on around the world just like randomly. <laughs> That's the thing about comedians. They can make anything yeah. sound funny. Like they can talk about them getting a coffee and that would be funny, you yeah. know. Uh If there is one podcast I recommend, it's Flagrant 2 with Andrew Schultz and Akash Singh. Mhm. Funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or like uh do you know Kill Tony? No. Hunt Tony Hinchcliffe is also like a American comedian. Yeah. And his podcast is actually they they have like a, their stage on a live bar. Yeah. So there are people drinking and having fun like and then on the stage there are random people who have put their names in a bucket. and but that's a stand up yeah stand up it's a stand up show but it's also like a podcast at the same time so they made it like they basically live streaming uh yeah a yeah exactly and then okay. one like he picks up a per- person's name out of the hat mm-hmm. and it could be a professional comedian it could be a person's first time on stage yeah. and they have one minute to perform and then he does like interviews with them afterwards but yeah. it's also like really funny mm-hmm. okay i love comedy it's just like that's interesting I think the thing I like about uh com- comedy is that I think it's like uh making people laugh is like one of the the hardest thing but also like the purest form of joy 
that you can give like a gift to someone is just make them laugh you know mm-hmm. uh like i had this story like this an, another comedian told me uh not not told me but i heard it oh that, you, uh, you know this guy okay <laughs> no he was like who is it like if a <laughs> <Bill person>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have him on oh, so bill pod- bill burr told you <laughs> <laughs> he's coming on my next podcast <laughs> no but it's like oh if uh, if my friend's dad died like hundreds of people are calling him to hey i'm sorry like hope everything's fine like same shit over and over again and then it's just like making him more depressed and depressed right but then if like someone calls him and just kind of like makes fun of him like lights him up like maybe like a joke or two in a respectful way yeah then people appreciate that hey there's someone you know try to lighten my mood a bit right right yeah i, I mean comedy is hard have you ever tried it actually I'm thinking about it so much I even asked my comedian friends who perform at Big Ben and the Laugh House I've I have everything all the details down yeah. how much time you have to do when do you have to go there I even have jokes written So you have a do you have a set let's let's do it Let's do, let's it do a set yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I could but it's just my nervousness is getting the better of me just getting on the stage I mean now if you do it on the pod uh no nah, <laughs> i think comedy is better with live audience right. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's definitely is um yeah but you discuss like the goals of your company mm-hmm. um do you still call it a company or do you call it a startup uh, it's a startup yeah mm-hmm. what's what makes it a company <laughs> like a legit company i think uh in order for us to call it a company it's like like one uh number of employees and like being able to pay pay people like a decent salary mm-hmm. uh right now we're all just like trying to make things work so we got some we got some capital uh and we're trying to raise funds uh so if you have money if you are a investor if angel investors anyone listening <laughs> mm-hmm. like hit us up uh we try to we try to raise funds basically by by the uh beginning of summer or like this yeah this mm-hmm. year the beginning of summer by june or something um yeah so, so you basically like, reach out to like investment companies or individual investors we're yeah mm-hmm. basically so like pitching a lot like telling these uh investors what what uh, what we're going to do how we're going to do it like why we need money um yeah that type of stuff um so that's what we're focusing on mm-hmm. for for the moment mm-hmm. but then yeah so in order for us to call us ourselves a like legitimate company then i guess we need to be able to run the company without worrying about uh money mm-hmm. and like how do we yeah how do we mm-hmm. take it to the next step and stuff yeah, yeah. so that's like the company's goal do you have any individual goals that you're looking forward to I mean I do a lot of different stuff so uh like I consider myself a uh, a creator uh, in a sense I don't know, I don't know how but I just like to create stuff like uh, I I wouldn't call myself a musician I wouldn't call myself a photographer but I like those are the things that I do uh sometimes I do acting as well it's just like it's just things that I like to do and try and yeah Uh, in terms of like photography i've been shooting some like concerts and stuff uh, which is kind of fun and i'm trying to like dabble my way into that 
in the Stockholm scene so that I can take some more photos in Stockholm and actually get paid for that because photography is expensive like you know it too like buying a lens yeah costs mm-hmm. so fucking much like, wait sorry I need to plug in uh, my friend's rock band Carpet Dime they're performing next Saturday at Kungsa Gordon so everybody show up there <laughs> you better you better be there yeah <laughs> you should come as well if you enjoy like uh, photographing like concerts and shit Oh, are you going to be there to yeah, take yeah. photos? Uh, I think they're like, throughout the day, there are going to be a lot of different bands. Okay. But Carpet Dime, my friend's band, they come maybe at midnight, around midnight. Carpet? Carpet Dime. Carpet? like. Yeah, carpet, carpet. A carpet that you walk on? Yeah. Dime, as in? Like a dime, like a nickel or whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I, I should have <laughs> asked her what's the deal with the name, but yeah, yeah. that's their name. <laughs> All right, Carpet Dime. Do they are they on Spotify and uh, yeah streaming? probably YouTube Spotify yeah okay. yeah cool. I had her like the lead singer on the podcast like two episodes back oh yeah okay what type of music is it rock, rock band yeah 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 mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah so photography that's your goal and uh, music wise when are you releasing no, 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 your no, rap no, album okay. <laughs> 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 it's not it's not a goal per se like in terms of ph- photography just that's just like a complete hobby like. Obviously, I want to make back the money that mm-hmm. I spend on buying all these lenses and stuff. But you can have goals in your hobbies as well. I mean, uh, I guess, I guess. Uh, but it's like I don't continuously work towards that. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, like if I if I did, I guess it would be more like um, having um exhibition basically at maybe photographiska or something, just like showing some of the photos that I've been taking, but. It's more like for uh, for fun. Yeah. Um, I just like to take photos. I don't enjoy to take photos of people that much. I don't know why. It just doesn't excite me mm-hmm. the same way. So I started by taking photos of like the northern lights and stuff, like the night sky and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where did you see the northern lights? Uh, here. In Stockholm. Stockholm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you go out? Uh, I went to Kiruna. Okay. Like a couple of years ago, like yeah. No, but like a few few weeks ago, like last yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this year they've been like yeah a few times. Yeah. Did you go out? No, I miss Dang. them every time. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> I was awake and I just like missed them an hour, like an hour later. I check my phone and people are putting stories and posts. I'm like, yeah. damn. That was so fucking annoying because like yeah. I always I have the app right, mm-hmm. uh, and that was one time I was actually writing a rap. <laughs> Like when it was the most active, I was writing a like a, a verse, and then when I looked at my phone, it was like two hours past the most active like point of the Northern Lights. So then I tried to go out. Like I drove to um, the opposite side of the city hall. Yeah, the Maria um, Berget, I think. Yeah, where the something. fence is. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was there. And then I set up the camera and took some photos. I did get it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as strong as it was like two hours back, and which is kind of sad because I never gotten the Northern Lights where it's like purple or like you know other color than green, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was sad. But have you been up north to see them? I've been to Abisko, uh, but it was pretty bad. Oh no! It wasn't active. Yeah. So, yeah, when did you I w- see it? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. I went there, it was a complete luck that during the whole week 
that was the only day where the sky was clear Damn. where i w- i booked the trip and it was like like magical completely where where did you go to abisko abisko yeah okay but like abisko there's um there's like a place where it's like almost uh always clear sky yeah in kiruna is oh really uh, yeah i know that it's uh, the northern lights is very regular there it just depends on if it's going to be cloudy or not yeah but it's like this is like uh, by a, by um by a lake or something yeah that's where we went i think we were uh, yeah? standing on top of a frozen lake in obisco oh okay yeah so yeah there's like by a lake or something but then it's because it's a lake or something and like there's mountains mm-hmm. right next to it or but now then it's like the clouds doesn't really form there mm-hmm. so it's kind of like always a clear sky uh like i i went there and i got a i got a photo but it's it wasn't like the strongest uh activity so it was kind of kind of boring uh mm-hmm. and i couldn't hear the the sound that people are saying that you can hear from the the northern lights oh i didn't notice the sound if it's like super super strong then you can hear some type of like fuzziness or like Maybe I didn't notice because I didn't know you could hear some sound. Yeah. If I could. You got to go back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. Yeah. But I'm always I'm really fascinated by these like natural wonders like rainbows and northern lights. Yeah. Like uh like back in the day before science explained what they are, mm-hmm. like people would be like by be amazed by them and then like tell stories and myths like what like some probably like a lot of myths came out of you know like the bifrost in like the thor mythology is like all kind of like northern lights ish mm-hmm. so I, i'm really like interested in that kind of stuff right right yeah i mean it is interesting so i actually have um i wouldn't i mean she's a illustrator and i did one project with her and she's a, she's a dear friend her name is like ishtar Her name is Ishtar Beckland uh and she is oh I don't know if I can say anything. <laughs> She's currently <laughs> writing a book about like just like that type of stuff like uh the about the Sami people, the um, which is like the indigenous Swedish peop uh, population I guess. Uh and then like um uh, the in- native americans or no it was like the aboriginal mm-hmm. like the 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 people from Aust- australia yeah aboriginals yeah so she's writing like a book she's making a, a children's book for that just telling their stories we might have to cut this out cuz i don't know if i can, <laughs> yeah, can <laughs> say anything yeah, before yeah let me know before i post <laughs> this episode <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah she's working on that and that's coming out maybe in uh, i don't know maybe like mm-hmm. this this here a swedish book yeah yeah do you watch anime i do yeah have you seen golden kamoi no i really recommend that one because uh, it's about like uh, i think before world war 1 or around that time japan and russia went to war yeah and the anime takes place right after the war and there are two protagonists one is like a japanese veteran soldier mm-hmm. and uh he has like a small kid who is a friend and she's a native uh, japanese i don't know what they're called 
that's when the first time I learned like Japanese had their own like native population as well. I'm like, oh, and then actually the anime, there's a lot of like legit research and shows how they, how they used to live, what they ate, what were their like traditions and everything. Really? How long is it? Uh, I think three seasons are out and fourth one, I don't know when it's going to come out. Oh, you're, you're talking about like actual, actually like anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. did you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about manga, like no, reading. No, no, I don't know about the manga. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's usually the same thing, but uh, anime is just the video yeah, yeah, version. Yeah, the video. Uh, well, like the release date or whatever, it's way quicker when it comes to manga because that's where it first starts, right? Yeah. Uh, so Best anime, go. One Piece. Yes, my boy! <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. <laughs> Do you read it or watch it? Watch it. All right, I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But Luffy dies. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's I think uh, that's an eventuality. Who's your favorite Straw Hat? Um, I would. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I would say um, Sanji, maybe. Because the whole chef thing. <laughs> it's it's I, I I don't know where you are in the anime, uh, but he. I've, I've seen the whole thing, like the latest. Okay, like I mean, I don't, I don't know where the latest. Oh, is. it's the Kaido arc. Right. Okay, but even though like I'm not gonna spoil anything, but like Sanji, he's um, he's just a very interesting character. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of like a character arc, he has the most depth. Uh, I feel like right. So yeah, I I think he's my favorite. Um, what about you? Brooke. Brooke. Yeah, I used to be Zoro, mm -hmm. but I think the more I see Brooke, he's very underappreciated. Yeah. He's like funny, he makes like weird, like cringy jokes and he's like he's powerful as well. Like he's yeah. a good swordsman. No no no, he's uh he's really interesting and I don't think we know enough about him mm -hmm. so far, so it's gonna be interesting. But like yeah, this it's about like it's approaching its end. Really? Uh I mean I don't I don't think like after after Wano, I don't think there's much more after that. Mm. Right. But there's so much like world exploring still to go, still to go. Like, yeah, we're just like we barely know like anything, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. But I think, I think there might be like two, three more arcs. Uh, I refuse to believe this. <laughs> that's the like the end. I would say like three is the max. Damn. Like, yeah. So it's not even gonna go to two thousand episodes. Right now it's like one thousand something. Yeah, I don't know, man. Two thousand episodes. Like, if you think about it, one thousand episodes has been taking more than twenty years. Oh yeah. Right. Twenty five maybe. Yeah, and two thousand more. Like, <laughs> Oda's gonna. <laughs> he's not gonna make yeah. it. How, how old is he? I think he's in his. Oh, he might be like forty, mm. fifty. Mm. Not sure. I mean, he can survive 20 more years. <laughs> he can, but is this, like, the only thing he wants to do in life? Yeah. It's kind of sad, like... But that's still a pretty good legacy, I would say. <laughs> it is, it is. Like, a life a life of a manga writer is kind of kind of sad. Mm -hmm. uh, but How so? It's uh, just, like, very stressful. If you think about it, he has to come up with this whole, like, storyline mm. and draw everything uh, or like at least 
make up the characters and i think if there's like people working for him that's drawing but mm. still uh, and then he has to release something like every other week or something which mm. is like crazy pressure yeah like that's all he's been doing for 25 years mm. and then if he's going to continue and he has to continue because he has to finish the story right and that that would be like another five years at least before the story ends mm. Uh, but if you want to reach 2000, like it's already l- the, the longest <laughs> yeah, running yeah. anime uh, or a manga, right? So <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about that. If you see any other like books by authors, they just write several books whenever they want or like that's it. Harry Potter, like seven, eight books, I think. And then that's yeah. it. Well, these manga writers, like 25 years, imagine every week you have to come up something, no matter. And then, and the added pressure of this, like one of the most popular animes that you need to make sure the content is like good enough for everybody. Right. Well, it was really nice having you here. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for talking. Yeah. And I will link Sizzle, any chefs listening or chefs to be, go contact. Vincent Wong, uh, I would assume through your website, Sizzle. Yeah, sizzle.se. Um, that's where you can find us. Or, yeah, you can find us on Instagram by that and, like, Facebook as well. It's all sizzle.se. Great, awesome. Good luck for your company and your Thank life. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. Peace be upon you all. Bye-bye.